This is Reclaiming Yourself, brought to you with PhytologyHub.com. How we overcome fears, find our inner strength, and trust ourselves. Now here's your host, Suzanne Keatley. Valerie Lewis, thank you for <laughs> joining me in this podcast. It's been a long time coming. We talked about this uh, probably, when was that? That would have been back in maybe January, actually. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great to be here. Oh, Thanks, good. Suzanne. <laughs> you're welcome. Where do we start, Valerie? Because you're quite an interesting human being, right? Do you think and, so? uh, <laughs> we've had the pleasure of having you. We were just looking at it on um, our booking system, but you've done 26 sessions yeah. at Photology Hub, which in some ways doesn't sound much. In some ways, it's a lot, but uh, that's 26 hours in total. Yeah. And that's since January. So, yeah, it, it, it's strange because every now and again, I think, well, how did I get to know about? you and I can't remember Instagram you said it was Instagram and it was really funny because I think I'd done a podcast interview with Karen Arthur of Menopause Master Black and I think we talked about strength training in it and it was around that time that I thought I need to be doing something because I'd been going to some Pilates classes I just had it in my head that I needed to do something about my strength especially seeing older relatives struggle you know with their with their lower limbs their legs needing walking aids or struggling to get up when they're sat down and I just thought that's me in 20 years time and I thought what can I do now (laughs) yeah I think with Instagram sometimes you can go down rabbit holes so it was either somebody that I was following or whatever and I clicked onto something and then got deeper and deeper and next thing I knew that I was I was onto photology and then so I googled it and I thought oh they're just they're in broccoli (laughs) that's quite near me so so I got in touch I looked at the website first of all obviously to see what you did and I I thought I'm going to do this because I've never had personal training before I've been to a gym before but not personal you know where you've got a personal trainer who so I I didn't know what to expect and you started with one-to-one and then now you've moved to the semi-private four-to-one and I have to say one of like your absolute strengths is that ability to just go yeah yeah I'll I'll give it a try okay Suzanne yes I'll give it a try so right from the start you'd come and you were like right I'll give it a try Mm one-to-one and then I uh, learned about your um, 60s plus or is it like pro-aging 60 what's the title I call myself a (laughs) pro-ager yeah now do you call yourself that or is that a thing that's out there I think it's a thing that's out there it's a thing hashtag pro-ager yeah so I've sort of adopted it I think because I like it I like the term I think life doesn't sort of come to an end just because you, you've reached a certain age or I think you have to tell yourself that yeah. because I think if you start sort of telling yourself that oh, I'm past it or I can't do this or I can't do that and then you might start to believe it and not do it because I've again going back to older relatives I think they tell themselves they can't do certain things mm-hmm. and then they become scared to do those yeah. things and and they become very set in their ways and you think this is sad you know because then you're losing out on life mm-hmm. you know you're just sat in front of the television just vegetating or yeah. something so it's the mind as well how, do you mind me asking how old you are I'm 63 I shouldn't say how old you are. no because yeah. on your um it, one of your Instagram posts is um citizen and then an image of you and then you'd cross out the senior bit was that from a photo shoot or that was from a photo shoot that is Jacinth Bassett she's the director of an independent boutique and she's also got a movement ageism is never in style so this was something that she did with the center for um is it center for aging trying to get away from the fact that labels are attached to people as they age such as senior citizen why not just citizen and exactly going back to 
the link that those words just have on mindsets and just trying to get away from that. In fact, just see somebody for what, you know, just you just look at somebody. You don't have to assign an age or a a category to them. And so, yeah, then like we've lent into modelling there for a split moment. So you're, yeah, a pro-ager model. (laughs) What does that involve and entail? Well, it's funny because I actually started with Jacinth as a non-professional model then. Uh, This was a few years ago. I modelled some of her clothing. How did you two meet? Was there... It was, again, I think it was through Instagram. Right, okay. It's amazing how many so people... So you were just met. looking at something and an opportunity came I, up I, and you I, went... I yeah, honestly okay. cannot remember now. Okay. I, I think it was through Instagram and somehow, I don't know, we, we communicated. She was launching, I think, her autumn winter wear and she had an open evening and I went to that and then soon after, I think I did a blog post about how she started up, you know, because she'd used her mother because her mother couldn't find things to wear because her mother's quite trendy and everything was all fuddy-duddy in the shops and things and you know just thought well this isn't right you know so she decided to do something about it and we established a relationship that way and then she asked me if I'd like to model for her so I modelled for her Amazing so that was your first modelling job what are we talking like two three years ago? 2000 and was it 17 2016 17 so a few years ago yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. and then around about the same time I also did something for Hope Fashion I mean they're no longer and then there was Look Fabulous Forever this was Trisha. She was just starting up, was developing a range of um, makeup for older skins. So I got to know her through some um, research, a survey that she'd put out. And I went to, she had a little focus group. And then she asked me if I want, you know, she could, you know, because she wanted to see whether the shades, her makeup range suited darker skin. So there's a makeup tutorial on YouTube with the makeup artist Linda Sullivan doing my makeup. It was actually, a couple of years later, it was actually Linda Sullivan who said, why don't you try modelling? And I thought, no. You know, and it was at the back of my head. But it, and it stayed wasn't, there. <laughs> it stayed there. And it wasn't until I, I was made redundant in 2020. And after a while, sort of thinking about well, what else can I, you know, what can I do part time? Because at the time I was going to do my life coaching and uh, massage therapy and try and establish myself that way. But then with COVID came along and I kind of moved away from that. And then I thought about the modelling and I thought, is it something that I can do? You know, I got in touch with a couple of agencies and they took me on. And, and that was two years ago. <laughs> so It's quite interesting isn't it somebody said that to you made that comment right Mm -hmm. and then it just stayed there and you thought do you know what I'm just gonna try yeah what's the harm which is what I get the impression that you just do all of the time (laughs) you're like okay yeah I'll try that yeah Yeah, sometimes I do it might look as if I'm impulsive but a lot of times I do actually mull over things it's it's there in the background and what I'll do is I'll put it to the back of my mind and if it keeps coming back Mm. then I think I need to do this did you start on that life coaching route like doing the courses and stuff? I certified as a life coach years ago. So it's something that I've dipped into in and out. You've just always had it there, yeah. Over the years, I've had a couple of websites, promoted myself. Well, you've had a couple of careers from what I I understand in the last... (laughs) Yeah, sort of moved away from that um, because I'm quite creative. So I like being creative. So for a long time, I made jewellery and had a shop on Etsy. And that kind of sort of took over, you know, that, that absorbed my time. And then in between that... I <laughs> trained as a massage therapist. Yeah, and bef- way before that, I'd done Reiki healing. I trained, oh, wow. you know, trained as a Reiki practitioner. What age would you have been when you did the Reiki? Was I 40? Yeah, so in around the 40s mark. Yeah. And that leans itself into like the life coaching, the Reiki, the massage, yeah, uh, helping people, things. right? And yeah, all those things sort of amalgamate. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I kind of sort of dip into that and then sort of dipped into with the jewellery. And also with the jewellery, I tried to sort of work with crystals. Because okay. crystals fascinate me as well. So I've done all sorts of things. But um, What's your favourite thing to make with jewellery? Is it like rings, necklaces? Um, earrings, I think. Earrings, it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing jewellery now because yeah. it's almost like I throw myself into something and then I end up making too many things or doing, you know, and then after a while you think, gosh, I've got too much stuff here. Yeah. You know, I was selling them on Etsy, also doing craft fairs. And then after a while you think, this is quite exhausting. It's hard work. Yes, yeah. it is hard work. And and then I thought, well, maybe I should focus on the life coaching, sort of moving towards that. But the reality is I'm not very good at promoting myself. Which is interesting, isn't it? I'm not good at promoting myself. I don't really like it. I don't really enjoy that side of it at all. Because you do, you, you write some blogs now. I well. write blogs and I, could probably, I should probably write more. And you, and you enjoy that? Yes. Yeah. If something comes to me yeah. and I feel that I need to say something, yeah. Then, then yeah. Yeah, that's a creative um, activity. See, I've l- this is all me l- learning new stuff about you, Valerie. <laughs> Tell me about menopause, because your story through the menopause is is an interesting one and it's linked to, I guess, weight as well, right? And, and where you are with it. But I'm sure there was, yeah, it was just that we had that conversation before. But yeah, talk us through your sort of situation. Um, and I started my periods at the age of 11. They were always heavy. In my... 30s. I'm not really sure what happened, but I know I remember going to the hospital. I, I did have some scans, and it was confirmed that I'd got fibroids. I'd have scans every now and again just to see whether they'd grown or whatever. And I do remember the doctor saying, Do you know where this is leading to? Meaning that at some point you will have a hysterectomy, which is what eventually led to um, periods got heavier and heavier. But I think that was also me being perimenopause when they started coming every two weeks. Oh, wow. And what age were you then? 44 upwards, I would I would say. Yeah, they were really heavy and, and I imagine and painful, that painful. Painful and then it came with a whole other host of stuff going on with sleep and yeah, anxiety. And, <laughs> and I had a full hysterectomy meaning that I had everything taken out. So that threw me into menopause, which I don't think I really appreciated because I was in such agony with the periods. I just thought, I just want everything out. And I just had it in my head, once everything's out, life will be not rosy, but, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. No, oh, no. no. Um, I ended up um, having another major operation that same year. It wasn't admitted, but I think I, they nicked my bladder. So I ended up having a, an operation at the end of the year because I'd got a tear. That was two major operations that year. But menopausal symptoms, it, it was as if everything came at once. Yeah. Did they give you drugs and talk to you about that and like give you a bit of insight into where you might be? Valerie's shaking her head vigorously. <laughs> no, there wasn't. No, I, I, I wouldn't have said there was any, there was um, any support, and maybe I didn't really seek support. Um, Although knowing you now, yeah. you probably would have oh had God. it have been mentioned, right? That I, I would, this I is would available, have. Yeah. This is available, yeah. possibly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I thought, well, let me try and see what I can do myself. I tried to do a lot of reading, you know, and tried certain things like black cohosh and that's the only one that sticks in my head and then there was a company that was promoting some hormonal cream that was supposed to help symptoms but that never touched me I think I struggled as uh, along until it reached a point where 
I thought, I can't, I can't take this anymore. And I went to see the doctor and it, it was a female doctor and she was really sympathetic. And I went on to HRT. That really helped me. It was just like a fog lifted and I thought, I can think. And were you trying to work or balance your career and I was stuff working, around that? I was working at the same time, yeah. What were you working at then? I was working the as a training events manager. Yeah, so it was quite, quite a stressful time because the job was quite stressful as well. I mean, one of the things that was interesting at Photology Hub, because we just focus on getting stronger, right? Feeling strong, being strong. And then the rest of the stuff kind of sort of happens. But just before we were on here, we were chatting about, I think the, we were chatting about your weight mm-hmm. it, through that period and it was linked I don't know what it was linked to I think it was linked to maybe the modelling or something now but I think I started gaining weight um, in my 30s it was definitely in, in late, sort of late, late 30s I started putting on weight definitely in my 40s I was heavier than what I am now I made several unsuccessful attempts to try and lose a bit different diets and things like yeah, that trying yeah, things yeah, yeah. Trying to, you know trying to reduce and eat i actually thought i ate quite healthily because I, I love vegetables and salads and things like that but then you know with rice and carbs and i also i suppose working at the time when i was working and i was crafting because i'm the sort of person that I'd, I'd um, do a long day at work and if it was, and it was especially since it was quite stressful, being creative, making my jewellery, that helped. That was your mindfulness that was, that coming was, out of the yeah, stress. I'd just come home straight from, you know, go to work, come home. So I'd, I'd get a microwave meal. Because of time, right? Yeah. Because it's almost like I didn't, I don't want to waste time cooking. I want, I just want to get straight into, you know, making jewellery yeah. and, and doing things like that. Um, plus Marks and Spencer's microwave meals were, were quite... Pretty were, decent. Seemed, they seemed quite <laughs> decent, yeah. Yeah, so I was eating a lot of microwave meals, but I was also eating a lot, what I called, you know, lots, lots of salads and lots of vegetables and um, low-fat yogurts and low-fat this and whatever, but the weight wasn't really shifting. Once I had the hysterectomy, it seemed to drop off, which was quite strange. It just dropped, you know, I lost about a stone or more. But in a year's time, it just seemed to sort of... I just ballooned. Yeah. And I thought, what is this all about? Because I thought I'm not eating any less or more or, you know, in some ways I kind of thought, well, this is how it's, this is what happens to women when you get to a certain age, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of resigned myself to it. Every now and again, I try and sort of, you know, watch what I eat, but I never really lost much. I lost a bit of weight again when I, I had my gallstones removed. I was eating, I think for the first month or so, I couldn't really eat. You know, I was eating sort of like drinking soups and eating soft foods and things like that. So I lost some weight then. And then lockdown came along, didn't it? And I did gain weight and and a stone during lockdown. I think I went up to 11.3, which was quite heavy. Was weight a big thing for you in life? Was it a thing that I tried not to make or? it because, yeah. because you know, I tried to advocate for embracing your body, yeah. embracing who you are. But I think sometimes it created a bit of a conflict in my head, mm. you know, because I put certain things on and think I just don't feel right. So it was about kind of the clothes. Yeah, you had a whole wardrobe. It, the whole wardrobe thing. Yeah. And also when I looked at myself in photos, I thought I don't look right. I look as if somebody's pumped me with water. I looked bloated and I thought that doesn't look healthy. I noticed that I was getting more out of breath 
you know, as I could walk up a slight incline. And I thought to myself, oh my God, this, this isn't right. So I tried the year before, 2021, I tried to lose weight following some of, I won't mention the company's name, but, but it's basically low-fat eating. I tried to follow some of their recipes and I managed over about five months to lose about half the stone. So I was 11 stone three, went down to 10 stone eight. And then it was at the beginning of the year when I thought... I need to, I just don't feel, I just don't feel comfortable within myself. And then it was just by coincidence, I came across a different way of eating, basically. You can mention this one. Yeah, Dr. Mosley's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is kind of, um, I mean, initially it's calorie based. You are, you're watching your calories. But the idea is that's just to get you going. And then you sort of move more onto a Mediterranean, you know, style of eating, which, you, you, which you're doing, but you're watching your calories initially. Definitely more protein that, and then, than I was eating before. Yeah. You know, I look back and I think, well, I wasn't really probably eating much protein mm. or as much as I should be. Definitely eating more vegetables, eating full fat, which is I use olive oil you know, to cook with certain things or coconut oil. I eat full fat Greek yogurt. Very, very rarely eat a lot of fruit. Um, I tend to eat more berries, you know, like raspberries, blueberries. I love, I love that. And strawberries. Those are my main fruits. Um, and I started losing weight. And you mentioned earlier um, when we were chatting about the processed food in this as well. That was another thing. Um, I I, I started doing a lot of reading around ultra-processed foods and I thought, well, they're not really foods. (laughs) You know, because if you look at the ingredients, you think, well, what are they? A lot of them. And I thought, we're all eating all this stuff that's not really good for us. And everybody's walking around inflamed and got diabetes. And you realise what carbs do to you, Yeah. you know, sort of. Uh, what I call white carb, beige carbs, white carbs, you know, things like um, where they've had the nutrient, you know, the, the, the good parts stripped so from So it's the them. processed, yeah. Yes, really carbs, processing, yeah. you know, like white Because we want carbs, we yeah. need carbs, right? We, yeah. But it's about what, but yeah. the same as anything. It's yeah, yeah, because I do, I mean, I'm not saying I don't eat carbs, because no. I do. If I'm cooking, you know, cooking rice, I'll make sure it's you know, like brown rice. Yeah. And I think that's why I was interested in you talking about that, because I think the biggest message is there. It wasn't about dieting. It was about leaning into having more veg, having less processed food and just increasing protein. And for so many of our members and for women in general, just increasing the protein. So we are less hungry and Mm. getting rid of as much processed foods as possible. But at the same time, being able to enjoy life and enjoy Mm -hmm. having a a coffee and, you know, (laughs) or a gin and tonic and whatever it is. But it's just that knowledge around what works for you. And And I found that I enjoyed that way of eating. Mm. I thought, I'm, I'm, I don't feel hungry. And so I kept going, eating that way. And the weight just naturally came off. Mm. And I thought, why didn't I know about this way of eating 10, 15 years ago? It all happens at different times for different, different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I remember why we started speaking about that, because I think we were talking about, which you'll probably mention in a few minutes, but that kind of... Uh, the younger years of Valerie and then being uh, the same weight now as you were then mm. and, and all the stuff that you've gone through. So, yeah, yeah that it was that link that That's, you were saying about yeah. if and I'd so, have thought then that I'd be doing all this stuff now, mm. which is quite amazing. Mm. And of course, once I started looking at my eating, I started and, and sort of um, thinking each successive birthday that comes along, I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting older, you know, you start noticing certain things. Like I started getting a pain in my hip, my right hip. I badgered the doctor, had an x-ray done on my hips and there's a bone spur. But I thought, OK, I'm, I'm eating better, but I also need to do something about 
my strength. Again, looking at older relatives or older people. And I've started following some people on Instagram that are sort of my age group or older. Mm. And they're doing, you know, strength training. And I'm just looking at how they look. And I'm thinking, I want to be like that, you know. And hearing the reasons for it, you know, a lot of the times, you know, again, it's based on looking at an older generation and thinking, I want to be able to lift myself out the bath. I want to be able to sit down for half an hour and be able to get up without having to struggle, you know, things like that. So that was one of the reasons why I thought it's time to do some strength training. Yeah, and it's so interesting, isn't it, in terms of age and where we are in in our minds more than anything. Like I was having a chat with somebody earlier and they were like, yeah, I turned 40 and they're like, oh my, you know, and I was like, isn't that, like yes and now even another 40 50 years to do this you know and mm-hmm. it is reshaping how we think about where we are in life right and mm-hmm. and actually yeah maybe maybe every the, every year that goes by there is more opportunity if you want it it's just mm. being open to the possibilities and just maybe having that confidence to say well, I've got nothing to lose really exactly yeah until i discovered fitology i don't think i was aware that there were women-only gyms. Mm. And, I mean, I know there's quite a few. It's funny because you don't know something and then all of a sudden... Now they're starting to pop up. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. the yellow car thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like... For me, starting off with having... You know, I really needed to have the one-to-ones because I thought, I'm not good at squats. And if I just go to my leisure centre's gym, even if somebody shows me once, that, you know, they show you around the gym. I think you need somebody there to, to stand beside you and saying, well, you need to bend this way or bend that way. And does that hurt? How does that feel? And, you know, stuff like that. Little tweaks. Mm-hmm. And we'll yeah. always be doing little tweaks, mm-hmm. whether we're 126 sessions in or yeah. two sessions yeah. in. Yeah. I guess taking a few steps back from that again, you started with us and I was like, hello, Valerie, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I yeah caught wind of the fact that you had doing the modeling, and then you came and you did a photo shoot for us. Yes, and we did, and we and basically I just trained you for probably an hour, an hour and a half, and I was able to kind of see you move and just kind of go through that process with you, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. And then today yeah. we're in where are we now? End of August, end of August. and I've seen you move again, mm-hmm. and honestly, the difference is oh. just like so different. It's mm-hmm. vast, and all the little things. I remember we were doing the the bit of work with your knee, your knee position when you lunge or when you sit down and squat. I, I hated lunges. Yeah. Because I thought I can't do them. A, because my knees always felt weak and I wobbled. I realised I was doing lunges wrong anyway in terms of the, what I was doing with my, my back leg. But as soon as somebody says, I want you to do some lunges, it was almost like a fear. I talk a lot about the lunges and I love coaching the lunges for that very reason because one of the things that we that happens during menopause of course is that we lose our estrogen and one of the things that happens as a result of that we know our pelvic lots of things drop right including the arches in our feet Mm -hmm. and if we think about then the arches in our feet and the strength from the feet and through the ankles Mm -hmm. when we've lost that and so stepping backwards for people becomes a horrendous experience right Mm -hmm. because you feel nervous you haven't got the balance and we haven't got the strength to take our weight stepping backwards and so we start to avoid it and we don't use it and then our world just becomes we were talking about it that's what you're saying about your older relatives your world becomes smaller right because you don't want to step into that space Mm -hmm. so we do a lot of work on that idea of having the confidence to step backwards or Mm -hmm. what do I need to now do with my heel that I would have just naturally done when I was younger right then how did I do it because we never learned how to do it we just did it as kids relearning movement is just a fabulous Mm. feeling isn't it and I think that's 
the lunge is an example of that and, and that it can improve and it, it can feel better. So today you were doing Bulgarian split squats, which is like you're standing on one leg, you've got your back leg up on a bench or a, mm. a box. Yeah. And yeah, we had you kind of hold like for support. Yes. We had you holding the rig, yeah. but you were able to bring the back knee all the way to the floor. Mm. So you're squatting down on like a single leg, which is quite amazing, isn't it? In that amount of time. Mm. And you were like, I love these. <laughs> <laughs> But interestingly, they're called something different. And when we did reverse lunges in the warm up, you were like, I don't like these. And I wonder, is there still an association with the word lunge? And, and can it we could, change that? It could maybe? be. It could be the word lunge. I yeah. thought, oh, my God, no, I don't want to do lunges. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. It's mm-hmm. tackling all of that, isn't it? That, yeah. that language, and, language. And, and our perception of yeah. ourselves and different things. And movement is such a big. Problem. Yeah, because there's another one that I, I it's squatting. But the bar's in front of you. And I find that a strange one. I can do it better with the bar behind me. Yeah. So uh, when it's behind you, it's like on your back. It's part of your skeletal system. Whereas when it's on the front, uh, it depends on your arm position, your wrist Mm -hmm. position. And then it's just really heavy on the core. So you've been doing front squats, back squats, deadlifting. (laughs) A bit of everything. A bit of everything. Yeah. You must be really proud of yourself. And it's really interesting now because now I'm thinking to myself, do I need to be doing more? Because I thought I'm doing the strength, but how do I tone up now? What's next? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, I'm not really trying to question. rush because because no. obviously, I've, you know, I've still got a long way to go, but I'm just thinking, well, what could I add in or, or whatever? Yeah. And it's about that, like, what's the next little thing mm. that I can add in, whether that is another session, whether that is doing some stuff at home and making sure that we do it in a really sustainable way because yeah. we want to stay doing this now right Mm -hmm. like if you're accessing those kind of heavy weights and more difficult movements once a week that's incredible over a period of time and I often say that with actually the person you were training next to today like they come once every week but they've been doing it for two and a half years and now like they're so strong and Mm -hmm. absolutely love it and it's that and then some weeks they'll go out and probably she'll do loads more in terms of walking and mm-hmm. climbing or you know different sorts of exercises yeah. but it's just finding your baseline and being consistent with it so yeah we can have a chat about you know what is next because if that it could be an hour's walk right it could be you walk a lot though do you am I making that up to the supermarket and or <laughs> I try and sort of walk a bit I am fur- making that up <laughs> yeah walk a bit further than I, I, I need to type of thing but I, I just feel as if maybe there's something that I could probably do at home yeah. you know rather than ad hoc. I mean, I have got resistance band, I have got sort of like, you know, dumbbells. And I just think, what do I need? If you know what I mean. Yeah. And what do you want? And I, I, like, I'm not joking about the walking because I think if every week you know your slot, when you come here, you arrive, you do your session and then you kind of work your life around that. Mm-hmm. We encourage everybody to try and add the walk in. And that like that could be an hour, an hour and a half. And we live in yeah. one of the hilliest bits of London I mean, I walk as well. Here. <laughs> it yeah. It takes me 10 minutes. But we live, anyway. you know, if you were if you were walking and every 10 minutes you're walking up a steep hill, which you can around here. I live on a steep hill. And then, yeah. And then, <laughs> down these hills you know like and doing that once a week and you got a podcast in or you're listening to something as you're walking that is another that's another quite an intensive session if you go out for 60 minutes or 90 minutes and then you're doing your mindfulness you're getting out in nature you're getting out in whatever weather it is so yeah I would like honestly that would be the next thing that I would have a discussion about and then I'd be talking about your sleep talking about are you have you increased your protein since you've started lifting I try to when I go home because I'm conscious of that if I'm not ready for something you know make a meal I might have a boiled egg or something like that I mean I don't know yeah brilliant yeah yeah and I think that basically I think we've 
I don't know, like every time I have a discussion with a, fem- a female particularly, there's always kind of like, what more should I be doing? Should I be doing more? Should I look different? Should I be better? And it, and it is kind of... I wonder where that comes from. Yeah. And it, it is like, do you need more? And if you do, that's great. Like if you do, if another session in the week benefits you. But, but also there's this thing is, um, it's much bigger than just walking into a space and, and doing the thing, right? It, there's, there's so many other factors that yeah. we can just shift a little bit and that will make a massive difference in life. Hence the reason I mo- spoke about sleep and protein and stuff like that. We all did it in lockdown, didn't we? We all did the walking and everybody loved it. Yeah. It's like, is it, has it, have, pe- has people, con- have they continued to, to use that as a, another health strategy and it's an important one. Take us back to young Valerie. <laughs> Take <laughs> us back to, you used to live up north. Yeah. And we won't, we won't talk age, for ages about this and we'll come back to the fitness, but you were, was it, but am I making up Birmingham? No, I'm making that up. Sheffield. Oh, Sheffield. Was that where you were born? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So born and reared. Big family? Yes. I have five siblings. Yeah. Two brothers and three sisters. And you've got a sister that you're close to now that you... I'm close to all, all of them, up, yeah. but there's um, one sister in London okay. and two in Sheffield. At one point, all four of us were down in London. Two of them have moved back to Sheffield with their families. I moved to London following the loss of my only child who died at the hands of her father my ex-husband. It was quite a traumatic experience and he ended up in a mental institution. Moving to London also coincided, if you like, because just before it all happened, I was going to study for a degree with the Open University. And the tutor that I had was very, very good after my daughter Rachel died. I think it was him that persuaded me to do an access course. And something happened. I was working and something happened. My uncle offered to pay for me to come out to Canada to have a break for two weeks. And you were still in Sheffield at this point? I was in Sheffield yeah. and I was working. Can I ask, sorry, I'm getting your age, what, what age were you then? I was 24 when You're 24. When it happened. And Rachel was? Seven. Seven, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, the boss at the time said I couldn't have two weeks off. Both of, uh, Valerie and I are now looking at each other with our eyes wide open in, in absolute disarray. It. Yeah. I couldn't believe oh. it because I thought, I, I, I went back to work two weeks after my daughter died. Oh my Not because I, I was work conscientious, I mean, because I was anyway, survival. but because it was survival, because I thought if I don't get myself out there, I won't want to come out the house. What work was that, Valerie? I, did you work? I worked at a driving school, BSM driving school. <laughs> Valerie, another career. <laughs> were you an instructor or were no, you...? No, I, I was on the on the desk. Yeah, OK, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. OK. I was, I, I took people's money and, and persuaded them to take driving lessons. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, I've put a lot into this job. So I, I went home and I said to my parents, because I'd moved back home, because the incident had happened in our own home, I couldn't move back there. Um, so I moved back to my parents and um, I remember saying to my dad, I'm going to have my notice in yeah. on Monday. Well, it just couldn't get any worse at that point anyway. Because you have it? to do what's yeah. good for you. So Monday I went in and handed my notice in. It was principal because I thought, no. Yeah. I've been through a lot and you won't even let me have, you know, an additional It just doesn't week. make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense. So I thought, yeah, I've got nothing to lose. So I went to Canada and came back, did my access course, applied to Sheffield University and Middlesex at the time. It was, no, there were polytechnics at the time. A Middlesex Polytechnic. Ironically, I wanted to do social work. (laughs) Probably wouldn't have been a good idea, you know, because I'd just been through so much trauma. I didn't get into Sheffield, probably because of what I'd been through, but I got into Middlesex to do Did you have to declare all of that then? I think they asked me why I wanted to do it. And 
and and I think it was quite well known what had happened. Okay. It was all over the papers oh. and everything, so everybody kind of sort of knew what had happened. It was a big thing. I got into Middlesex Polytechnic, so decided to move to London. Coincidences, my younger sister, she moved down the week before me because she'd started working for Sheffield Magistrates Court. She decided she wanted to move to London and got a transfer down, and that coincided with me. She was your, your rock that you were able to... So yeah. we, we moved down more or less the same time. And it's funny because we're the two that are still in London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could say I moved to London to start a new life. Another reason what made me move was because I felt that I couldn't grow. I could tell that people didn't know what to say to me. And you were back home like you were in your home place. So everybody would have known you, right? And yeah. Ev- yeah. And I thought, I don't know who I am. You know, for seven years, I've been Rachel's mother, Errol's wife, you know, been a wife. And I thought, who am I? I thought I need to move away and discover who I am. Nobody knows me. If I go down to London and I meet you, it's my decision if I want to tell you about my past. You don't know me. So it's a clean slate. Whereas if I see people in Sheffield, they know me. Friends who've got kids, they probably don't know what to, you know, what do we talk about? And do you go back much? I do because I've got my mum there and, you know, my dad died in 97. So you get back there, do the thing and then back to London. London. (laughs) Yeah. Does it still feel just absolutely loaded when you're there or have you been able to separate it a little bit and enjoy being with family and then... It took a long time, you know, because there were certain times like at Christmas, birthdays and then my nephews and nieces coming along it was kind of bittersweet painful but happy and I thought how can I exist with coexisting emotions Mm. it's really bizarre part of you is happy part of you is sad but you 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 kind of have to deal with it and I guess it's that's that's it that's a lifetime of that that's a lifetime because of the loss right Mm -hmm. like it's just just something that you 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 can learn to live learn to live with yeah I mean obviously there's times when um even though it's years later there's still times when something can happen and get a bit weepy, you know? It all just floods floods mm. in at that moment. Yeah. Mentioning that and no, like the, what you've done in your life mm. and now are still doing about like just taking opportunities when they come along and mm. uh, just, yeah, biting your tongue mm. and like you've, you've done this since you were in your 20s then. Yeah. Which is quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And all the different careers and... And different things, things you've tried. Yeah. yeah. And something that helped me cope with, which, which I wasn't sure it would at the time, because I, I, I try and, and listen to my intuition. And I remember in my, was it 40s, I really felt that I wanted to do some voluntary work. And it was, again, another coincidence. Was it The Guardian? It was either The Guardian or Evening Standard. I saw an ad for Great Ormond Street Hospital and they needed, uh, they were looking for volunteers for the child deaf helpline and you'd got to be a bereaved parent and my instincts told me I had to be interviewed I had to sort of talk about why my child had died um, what I'd been through um, and I got accepted and went on the training and um, the training was very the very first session was very emotional because I was with other women I don't think there were any fathers there I was with other women that had lost children at different stages all very different. Yeah. We each told had to tell our stories. And by the end, we were all in oh, tears. Right. But I came away from there. I wouldn't say I felt on a high, but I felt something because I thought this is the first, you know, apart from my family and some friends, I thought this is the first time I've had the opportunity to, to share with other women who have 
lost a child. And this is when you're in your 40s, so this is 20 years later. Yeah, this is in my 40s. I used to do mainly evening shifts because I'd work and then sort of went back out because I used to live around Leather Lane at the time, so quite near to the hospital, Great Ormond Street. I think it was, was it once or twice a week? Something like that. And your shifts would be like in front of a phone and you'd sit and yes, pick up? Yes, it was a phone and if somebody would call, you wouldn't know who they were. They used to call either Great Ormond Street some nights or I think it was shared with... Um, is it Alders, um, Alders Hay Hospital in Liverpool? All sorts of people would phone up. Anybody that had been affected by the death of a child, yeah. whether a parent, grandparent, auntie, uncle, whatever. In some ways, I think that helped me. That really helped me because some of the people who'd lost children, I think just hearing their stories, it made me appreciate how, how strong I was, that I'd actually come through it. Because sometimes I used to think, am I, am I going to crack up? Yeah. When is it going to happen? Yeah. Am I just going to fall to pieces? I used to walk around like that and thinking, what do people think? You know, do people look at me strangely and think, can they tell? And I thought, am I going to be one of these people that you hear about people go through something traumatic and it doesn't affect them until 10 years later, then they just fall to pieces. I thought, is that going to happen to me? But it hasn't happened so far. <laughs> Not yet. So, <laughs> you know, so, yes, oh, it, okay. it, that was an experience. So, um, yes, yeah, so I did that. And the funny thing is, I'm back at Great Ormond Street Hospital volunteering, oh, wow. not on, on the Child Death Helpline. I don't yeah. know whether it still exists, but massage therapy. You do massage therapy? Yeah, every two weeks I go in on a Thursday for a couple of hours and give a particular ward. There's two wards, the parents massage, sort of like... Oh, upper, so you do it for upper, the parents? Yes. Brilliant. Upper body massage. Yeah, mm-hmm. fabulous. Yeah, just the shoulders and... And is that when head. you did, like, your life coaching and got your massage therapy qualification and... Well, the, when I got the massage therapy qualification, the idea was that I was going to promote it, which I did for a little bit, but then I, I'd stopped because um, the Telegraph Hill Centre, mm-hmm. they've, got, they've got a couple of rooms there. So I could use one of their rooms, which I used to sometimes do Reiki from or massage therapy from. No, again, I wanted to do some voluntary work. It's just all part of your building blocks or your constant... I wanted to do something, you know, to help. Yeah. And again, I just saw I just saw this ad. I can't remember where, where I saw it. And do you remember being offered any of that sort of help? back then no so you were just like yeah the opportunity then to help yeah because you know I look back and I think well was I and I probably didn't notice I don't know whether I mean I'm pretty sure like if if this if that happened today somebody would offer me counselling or something but I can't recall I honestly cannot recall being offered counselling or anything like that Mm. so I've never had counselling and I probably would have said no I don't need it yeah (laughs) do you think you've kind of your counselling or your healing through the life and the phone you know being on that phone to people and that I group. Think, I think uh, I almost sort of feel as if that came into my life, yeah. you know, and that helped me because it really did. Yeah. When I look at some of the issues that, I mean, obviously I don't want to talk about them because no. it's confidential. But when I see what some of the parents went through and were going through many years later, I've done OK. And I think having my family around me, that was a good anchor. I guess then just back to present day about this like building muscle and getting stronger and just that's just what keeps jumping out at me today is this idea that you take the opportunities even though you might fester over them for a while like mm-hmm. you, somebody like creaks open a door for you mm-hmm. and at some point you just pull the door open and you, you step through it and I think mm-hmm. we're not all great maybe at doing that sometimes and 
I don't know. I, d- I really don't know. I think I've always been that way because I am a bit of a loner. I'm an introverted loner. So you said I'm, that uh, Valerie said that really proudly. I think your chest went out when you sat yeah, up and you said that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not one of these that thinks I can't go to this because I need somebody to go with. Because I remember when um, in my 30s, when I had really bad period pains, the Africa Centre in Covent Garden, they were doing belly dancing classes. And I thought, and I, rem- I remember reading about belly dancing and how it was good for, you know, why, because I like to know the history of things. Mm. And, you know, I looked at the history of why it came into being, you know, right. and I thought, I want to try this. So I used to go to <laughs> belly dancing classes and I loved it, you know, so yeah. I will. Which is quite interesting for a shy introvert, isn't it? And, yeah. and I think I would have seen that kind of shy introverted side of you. But I, again, in the last few weeks, seeing you over in, over like a couple of sessions and just in mm. and out of the hub, mm-hmm. it, like you're definitely lift, you're higher, you're lifted, there's, mm. your shoulders are back. You're, <laughs> I think the other week you were walking by me and like you hit me on the shoulder and said something. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. It was just this, again, it was just a confidence that yeah. it's lovely. It's really lovely. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, if strength training has given you any of that, I'm, I'm, and, and, and the space and just, being with people that are on the same mission as you really of of all different ages and careers and heritages and you know all of that stuff so yeah I'm delighted that you're still with us and part of the thing the movement (laughs) part of the movement yeah (laughs) all right should we wrap it up there thank you so much Valerie and thanks for yeah chatting through Mm. (laughs) your life story Um, and I appreciate not all of that was uh, very simple to say so I I really appreciate that and thank you and I hope it helps other people I hope somebody might gleam something from it and uh, inspire them or that's what it's all about well thank you so much thank you Reclaiming Yourself the podcast brought to you with PhotologyHub.com if you enjoyed the conversations please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe for free 